Young Entertainment. Young Entertainment Professionals. You're listening to the Young Entertainment Professionals Podcast, a series featuring the next generation of creative and business professionals in music, TV, and film. Hear their stories on navigating the industry with the help of the Young Entertainment Professionals Network. Being able to meet fans face-to-face or meet people face-to-face changes everything. Because in the social media world, yeah, you can get a like and they'll be present for a little bit, but then they'll go away. If you go out there and you meet them and they come to four or five shows or whatever, like that's something that'll never go away. Uh, welcome Levi Hummond to the Young Entertainment Professionals podcast. What's going on? You've been on your headline tour so yes. far. Well, I'm kicking off right now. Uh, depending on when this airs, I've been my first week of the tour. So um, it was... Honestly, I was like, I've never been so nervous and just scared to go out there and do it um, other than my headlining tour because like usually if you're opening for somebody, you kind of just, they're going to handle the tickets. If they don't sell tickets, it's kind of up to them. When you're the headliner and you have people opening up for you, you're like, wow, like I'm kind of in charge of this and like it looks like it's on me if I don't sell tickets. Um, So uh, we went out there, went to Oxford, Ohio and Grand Rapids and it was great. It was honestly like two of the most amazing shows I've ever been a part of. Um, it was so awesome just to have like my own fans that knew every single word to one of like my songs, even unreleased songs. Uh, it was just incredible. It was, I can't really describe it. I stopped in the middle of my set the second night and I was like in tears, like you guys are changing my life right now. I've never experienced my own music this way. Um, and yeah, it was just special. That's awesome. Um, and what else have you learned being in charge of your own show and being able to like take on your own production, production approach? Yeah. I think for me, it's just been like. Um, sometimes when I'm opening for people, I just kind of do this thing where it's like, I'm just going to put as much up-tempo in it and just try to kick ass for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with a headlining show, it's like you want to have moments where you kind of are vulnerable and you want to have moments where um, you kind of like break down the set and play a ballad and, and just like kind of express yourself and try to you know explain to the audience, this is who I am. This is my, this is my family. This is uh, my story. This is the relationships I've gone through. Um, so I try to kind of tell a story during my set, my headlining set and try to be like, just kind of like deep on different levels and dynamic. Can you talk about a song specifically like that for you that you've enjoyed telling the story and sharing yeah. with your fans? Um, well, one, my new single state I'm in, uh, kind of deals with this, the idea of, you know, going on the road and being far away from somebody you love. Um, to me, that's just a really vulnerable moment, but also I have a song that's brand new called Rock and Roses. Um, that I actually got the idea of the song off of looking at two emojis, which was like a rock emoji and a rose emoji. I was like, rock and rolling, oh, rock and roses. And I was like, that's a sick title. Um, and then, but I turned that into kind of things like, a rock and roses can't fix what is broken. Didn't know what I was holding until I let you walk away. Um, and to me, that's just kind of, um, when dealing with like relationship drama and stuff like that in my life, that's kind of like a, a theme. an ongoing theme is that like what the theme is going to be for your upcoming album yeah I think uh, dramatic is what I should call it (laughs) yeah yeah, I I I love I think um, in the Taylor Taylor Swift fashion I think um, talking about relationships is an easy place for me to go to in songwriting it's actually kind of how I you know deal with all that stuff do you have any stories from like fans that have told you maybe things that they that they take from your songs that yeah, so um, specifically State I'm In, um, I kind of wrote it like a relationship song based on just going on the road. Um, but I would have people come up to me on the road during the Hunter Hayes tour and they were like, oh my gosh, my husband's stationed in Hawaii and I never see him and it's just this song means so much to me. Or 
um, even overseas deployment stuff and um, just like even just my husband is on the road a lot doing work and corporate, whatever. But it's yeah. just kind of fits all facets of different people's lives um, and related to people in ways I never thought it would. So that was really special to me hearing that story. Are there writers that you look up to that do the same for you? Uh, like, like I hear a song have... and they have different meaning to me? Yeah. Um, well, I th- so many. I think uh, Lori McKenna to me is like one of my favorite writers in town. Um, and just her own artist stuff, even before it's like a Tim McGraw smash or whatever, is just really powerful to me. And I always thought listening to her music and, um, I went to a show of hers a couple years back at City Winery mm-hmm. and I just thought it was so powerful hearing her, um, her story, her life story, living in Boston, um, and writing for artists down in Nashville and having them kind of come up and just like a transplant. But, um, I just really, I was, I moved by so much of her music. Is there a particular song? Uh, well, Humble and Kind, for one, was, yeah. I heard that song before, it was the Tim McGraw song, um, and I remember sitting there, I was actually with uh, a guy named Marshall Altman, who's an amazing producer here in town, and he did like Frankie Ballard and Eric Pasley and stuff, and I sat there and I was like, what is this song? Like, what is this? This is amazing. And then like, I remember like two weeks later, I like found out Tim McGraw cut it, and then the next thing you know, it's like that music video is like amazing, just came out and just, it blew me away. Yeah, and it continues to. Um, I want to go back to a quick question that came to mind for me for relationship songs. Yeah. So I feel like as somebody that's in in their twenties, like I'm hearing relationship songs now and they're including things about like social media and texting. Like there's little things in relationship songs now that are way more modern than you can just tell it's changed a little bit. So can you talk about what it means to be writing songs for the modern 20, 30 something? Yeah, actually, um, as like a songwriter and like a lyricist, I kind of struggle with that sometimes because um, I remember like my publisher is a guy named Desmond Child and he really like, he emphasizes, you know, uh, songs being timeless. And to me, like when you hear a 90s song or early 2000s song or even an 80s song where they're like, you know, got my boombox out or even got, you know, like I got my MySpace on or like, and like (laughs) you hear that stuff and then all of a sudden you're kind of like, that isn't. I don't relate to that at all. No. Like that sounds whatever. Um, or my tape recorder. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so as a, like, I actually do like, I have incorporated like Instagram or whatever and stuff, but I think just being genuine in, in any, uh, any year, any whatever decade is just, it's, it speaks. And I think in, uh, for myself, I just, I just like to talk about the relationship itself and the feelings behind it. And that's not necessarily mm-hmm. like the, um, what I'm doing on my phone. Yeah, communication, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, I do think it's relevant. I think, um, I do think right now it's like talking about drinking and stuff is pretty, pretty actually correlates to the relationships and how I handle stuff. It's like, I'm going to drink it. I'm getting drunk over you kind of stuff. Um, or like missing those moments on the couch where you like freeze frame stuff where you have, you know, the girl's leg on your couch and you're drinking wine and chilling, watching a movie. And those are some of the most special times and special moments you get to spend with somebody. Um, so I think that's all relevant. I think I try to lean into that somewhat. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, so can you talk about building a team of writers? We've, we've talked about this a little bit before yeah. um, that you work with and you like to collaborate that, with that go along with your vision of what stories you want to tell. Yeah. Um, so I grew up here in Nashville and um, I watched my dad be a songwriter and um, watched him you know, build a community of songwriters that he really worked well with mm-hmm. and just were not only his writers but his best friends. Um, guys like Daryl Scott who wrote um, It's a Great Day to Be Alive and he wrote um, I think Ready to Run maybe Born to Fly with him um, and he just had a really interesting group of writers it was never like 
the top guys in town. It was kind of like the off-kilter kind of guys that were really, really just super talented, mega talented guys. Um, so when I co-ventured with Sony here in town um, for a publishing deal, I remember I said to them, I, I love my, the top writers in town. Like I, I like, I'm actually a fanboy of write, songwriters, not necessarily artists. So um, when I talked to Sony, I was like, can you please just put me in the room with not just the top guys, but the people that are up and coming that are going to be somebody one day. And I just want to meet them and I want to just like get in a room with the young people that are hungry. And so for the last year and a half at Sony, like I've been just writing with these like amazing up and coming writers and just loving it. Um, and just trying to build my team and guys like Mick V, who's my producer, uh, Trani Anderson. <laughs> she was on, she was one of the first guests on this podcast. Really? Yeah. And yeah. then she actually, she goes to my church. So I see her every, every Oh, amazing. Well, she's like my best friend and we just did like a four day writer camp, writing camp out in New York, which was oh amazing. Gosh. Uh, in the middle of nowhere in New York, by the way. Really? Um, but yeah, I just like, I have, I'm so blessed with some, with living in Nashville one and two is just having an amazing writing team and just a lot of young, awesome people. Um, so what yep, about how what? Yeppers. Yeppers, yes. <laughs> and have, have you been involved with Yep? Like, um, I've just gone to like shows in town and stuff like that. I, yeah. I feel like every time I get asked to do like one of those like '90s nights or something like that at yes. or at uh, the Basement East, I've been out of town, so it kind of bums me out. But I need um, to do something. What's funny? I mean, like, there's so many amazing artists that have come out of those just like hanging in, in the Yep professional world. Um, and I'm always just a fan. I'm a fan of all, like all those up and coming things that happen here in Nashville. What kind of advice do you have for somebody that's just trying to kind of find their way through entertainment as a young person? Because, yeah. I mean, it's not. Well, I I can't really relate to I can't relate to a lot of things, <laughs> uh, but I can relate to um, like kind of finding your way as a songwriter and finding your way as an artist. And like, um, I'm currently like how I, I describe it usually is like I'm step one of where I want to be, whatever. Like, but I feel like I've at least taken that first step and yeah. um, as headlining my first tour and everything like that. I just have so leaned into this idea that um, songwriting is just so powerful and the songs are so powerful and to be able to develop and do the artist development yourself without having to necessarily like just start hiring people and signing deals and whatever, like keep it true to yourself, keep it lean and just start writing songs and make the best version of yourself possible before you start going out and just going for stuff. Because once you start signing percentages away of your life <laughs> and you also start including people, you kind of lose the ability to be uniquely yourself. Um, and I've made that mistake and I've also paid for that mistake, but I've also been able to kind of overcome that. Um, and I just think the artist development part of it and the songwriting development part of it is so important before you start just signing deals and stuff like that. It's just, it just makes sense. Have you always tried to make sure that those both are kind of mutually, they coincide with each other when you're, you're making those decisions? Like the songwriting vision of what you have matches what you want as an artist right. or vice versa? Yeah, I think... Let me think on this because that's a good question. I think um, I think my artist thing is defined by my songwriting. So I think um, it's funny because I look at my set for my headlining tour and it's six years in the making. Um, like we've been putting stems and tracks into the set and kind of like rebuilding it and rebranding it and whatever for six years. And I've always had like a 60 minute set. Like I could always play 60 minutes of music, but it's always like, like what songs are on that it's ever changing and it's like oh these are my best songs I'm putting them here and here and then they were like oh these are my okay songs right and then they're like oh these songs let's just kick them out of the set <laughs> and then like all of a sudden you have like a totally different thing and you sound different and you look different and you feel different on stage um and i it's obviously going to change like even next year i'm going to be a probably a totally different artist to myself than i right. was before um but yeah i just think 
the songs kind of define for me where I'm going and what my path is and who I am as an artist. As an artist, you're often misunderstood. You deserve a partner who gets you. You need a bank that's driven by dreams of what could be and not just what is. Our friends at Pinnacle Financial Partners offer relationship-focused service with a team-based partnership approach, local decision-making, 24-7 support, experts that understand your area of the industry, and start-to-finish financial services. To learn more about how to collaborate with Pinnacle Bank in the creative community, call 615-744-2881 or visit PinnacleBank.com. Um, can you talk about your fan base? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so talk about, because you're super engaged on social media. Yeah. And you've built a huge a following. <laughs> I feel like we all are. Like, I need to get off my phone. <laughs> Everybody's like, I want to do a three-day detox from Instagram. And I try, and it's like, yeah. it's it. I, that's only like a one-day thing. Ooh, usually, I don't care. I could do it. It's, it's bad. I will say it's worth it. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could, I focus better. Like, if I leave my phone in the car, if I'm in, like, a Target or something. I, I, I literally run every day because running's the only time I'll put my phone down for, like, an hour and, like, not even think about it or look at it. So I just run and, like, I walk and I don't even bring my phone in the car. Like, I just leave it at my house. Uh, no, not when I run. How do you, how do you do that? Uh... I... <laughs> personally want to know. I, I literally needed music for so long. And then, um, honestly, I just was, like it became a therapy thing for me just to like not listen to music, not have any kind of wireless, anything near me and just like run. And, um, it's been amazing. It's honestly changed my life. Like running every day. I do it every single day. And it's been like the most therapeutic thing for me. Um, I settle all my, my grudges in my head. <laughs> I deal with, I deal with all, I plan out how I'm going to approach all the emails that are coming up and how I'm going to respond to stuff on Instagram and how I'm going to be engaged with my fans. And it really just helps me. Like I organize myself, on those runs and um but yeah i definitely need detox as well <laughs> uh, well i like that the the practice of like organizing your responses before yeah. you put them out because i think that also translates into creativity like you're thinking about how intentional right. your songs are going to be instead of just thinking about i've got to put right material out there well things like you wake up every day as an artist a lot of times and you're like you feel like overwhelmed and then frustrated a little bit and so yeah. for me it's like the best way to deal with like frustrations and the feeling of overwhelmness mm-hmm. And just like think it through before right. you react. Right. Yeah. Especially like when you're doing like new singles, headlining tour, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, it can feel like, how do I deal with this? And then, you know, the best advice everybody gives me is like one step at a time. So. I have, well, you can't see it now, but I have a one thing at a time wallpaper on yeah. my phone that just keeps me from like. Oh, absolutely. Too many things at once. So that's, that's some advice I would give to a young yeah. industry professional is like literally take it hour by hour. Everything's hour by hour. And like, if you want to be a record executive one day or whatever, like. Well, you got to start like interning. You got to start, uh, you know, as the A and R person here. You got to start like just grinding, and it's just—it's not. You're not going to accomplish anything if you set your sights on the biggest thing possible. It's just one hour, one day at a time, kind of stuff. And, and that's then it. Just all. Then all it will all come true. I mean, like it will if you put your if you put your nose to the grindstone and work. I mean, like I've seen it happen like a million times where somebody is the. I'm like, I'm literally 28, so I feel like I'm old now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm old enough to have witnessed, like, people being the interns at, like, Big Machine, and then all of a sudden, they're the A&R people, and then all of a sudden, they're the publisher, and then, like, so it, it 100% happens all the time. You just don't, I feel like it happens so quick during this, like, late 20s time frame, though. Right. Because 
you know, back when I was younger, like I would see it as like older people, but now all of a sudden I'm seeing all my friends right. getting these opportunities or doing things that I like, oh, that's right. I So be nice to everybody. Literally everyone. <laughs> Engagement with fans. What has worked yeah. for you? Like what is your process? Because I feel like there's, you know, all this advice about out there about like respond to everything, like everything, do this, mm -hmm. do that. But what has worked specifically for you? Um, uh, wow. Uh, so like my fan base is like an amalgamation of like a bazillion different fan bases. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the truth of country music. It's like, if I go on the road and open up for, open up for Hunter Hayes, I'm going to take most of his crazy fans that like are into that kind of stuff. If I go out with Kelsey, I'm going to, you know, collect some of her fans as well. And then so you like, you be, you begin to build this fan base, but they have, you know, yeah. love for so many other artists as well. Um, so how I've kind of like done on the road has just been meeting fans face to face. And like being able to meet fans face to face or meet people face to face changes everything because in the social media world, yeah, you can get a like and they'll be present for a little bit, but then they'll go away. If you go out there and you meet them and they come to four or five shows or whatever, like that's something that'll never go away. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so like, I don't know how many artists are on this podcast or whatever, but if you go out there and just like do a meet and greet after every show. Like I sat there at Grand Rapids right after my headlining show. I did a VIP meet and greet before, played a show, and then did a two-hour VIP meet and greet after. And so I wasn't done until midnight, and I met probably over 300 people and said hello to every single person and took a photo with every single person. Uh, but I feel like I can go back to Grand Rapids now and you know sell a bunch more tickets because you have 300 people that you 300 met. people that I met, and you know like I can show you on Instagram they do like um, they can show you like the activity on your account, and it's like it was like sitting there like low 700, 800, and then the day of the show, because like you're out there and posting an Insta stories with everybody, it goes up to like 4,000 or whatever on just like the activity of the day. Yeah. So, and the people that like aren't on the road right now, it's like what you can do is just like, um, I would just say just be act, like super active on social media. It really, it's, it's helped me when I'm not on the road, like to be like posting either covers or just like playing songs of mine. Like, what do you guys think about this? This is like a new song of mine. Like that's worked really well for me. Um, I want to get away away from that stuff, but um, yeah, it's just it, it's all about kind of like meeting like how Hunter Hayes attacks his fan base, how Kelsey approaches hers, how Michael Ray, how everybody approaches theirs. Like you take little things away from it and turn it into who you are as an artist and how you perform and how you act on stage, but also how you act on social media. And I think it's also important in today's day and age to like you know social media is such a huge part of it. Learn from all of it. Hometown shows. Hometown shows. You just played Exit In. Yes. And it was awesome. Let's talk about that and what it's like being here in Nashville and playing shows in, in your local venues. Yeah. Um, well, Exit In was amazing. We sold it out. I remember we talked right before it and I was like, I hope we sell it out, whatever. The actual day of, I was like, I was nervous. I was like, are we going to do it? Uh, it was amazing. Um, it was interesting because like, I'll just be like super candid and honest. Like, um, I had the option for the exit in show to either like do an industry show, which is like 45 to an hour ish, or just play like a full on headlining set. And I was like, it's like 75 minutes. And I was like, I'm playing a headlining set. I'm playing like a normal headlining set. And so I felt like it's good practice for this tour. Yeah, it was great practice for the tour. I felt bad because industry people have like a tension span of about four or five songs. Yeah. Uh, but I had real fans there. We had, we had like about 300 real fans there. So we played, we played for them and it was just unreal. Um, it was like, a total learning experience, um, but it's just amazing. Like to come back to Nashville, we do it basically annually. We'll come back and play a headlining show, um, just to see it grow every year and to watch it happen. Um, it's been awesome, and uh, like Nashville has kind of grown with me. And it's it's weird because like 
my high school friends are still coming out to the shows as well. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And uh, so it really is a hometown show in every in every bit of that word. It's it's just a hometown party. And uh, but it was incredible. I can't wait for next year. I think I think it's gonna be special. Where'd you go to high school? I went to a place called USN here. Like it's on Vanderbilt campus on twenty first. Oh nice. Um, but I went there and did like a lot of visual arts. Didn't do much music. Uh, so when did you start actually doing music? I always played like guitar and whatever, but I would go in and out kind of as a hobby. Um, my dad like really pushed me to play music. Yeah. <laughs> pushed all my, my brothers to do it. Um, but I never, I didn't fall in love with it until my sophomore year of college. I was in Florida and I just like loved all of a sudden, like I went through a breakup and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I was just writing every day and it was like bad. Like I would not go to parties anymore. I literally sat there for like literally like, two songs a day. And would send him back to my dad and be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And he was like, you need to leave Florida, come back to Nashville, your hometown, and like actually start doing this professionally. Like you need to try. And I was like, all right. Next day I like transferred to Belmont, ended up dropping out of Belmont for my first pub deal. But I was just like, I fell madly in love with it my sophomore year. Okay. What year were you at Belmont? Uh, I transferred there my beginning of my junior year and I lasted about five, six months. Well, it was enough to, like, get ingrained into the Belmont community. Yeah, I mean, like, I dug it. The problem was, like, yeah. honestly, is that, uh, like, none of my credits transferred. So I was like, this is going to go. <laughs> this is going to be like, a waste either, of time. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm, it wasn't going to be a waste of time. I was just like, I can't be here six years, six more years of college. Well, and I, I feel like, like with Belmont, it's, it's different for the actual songwriting artist. Because it right. really, it's kind of the other way around. Like, for somebody like me that's doing more of, like, an actual, like, industry job. I can stick it out, do an internship or right. whatever. But if you're an artist or songwriter, you got travel involved. Well, my thing was just like I was like, they pushed me to song, like to write better. I was right. like, because I was like, I, don't, I really don't want. I don't see myself graduating college. I want to be an artist. Like I don't need college to graduate. Whatever. I say that also. I watched Devin Dawson and I transferred to Belmont at the same time. Oh, and he oh, ended up graduating. Okay. What? So and <laughs> yeah, so it's all crazy. But uh, so I just it just pushed me to write, and so like. Um, little backstory on it is like every Thursday I had like one open day of classes. And so mm -hmm. on that Thursday I would co-write with my dad and one other writer in town and just started building like a catalog of songs and songs mm -hmm. I loved. And so those Thursdays I would literally sit there all week and just like, I was like, what is the best idea possible? What can I do? Like, oh my gosh. And just like spaz out over it. <laughs> and to, to the point where I like was just writing great songs on Thursdays and ended up getting a pub deal from that. And that's why you are where you are. Yeah, and that's why that's I left. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, Belmont. However, I love Belmont. Like, I, Does your I really dad still do. teach there? He does occasionally. Like, okay. And I've actually done like two classes there too, which was like super fun. Oh, yeah. Was, it, was that weird? Well, you class your dad? Well, no? no, I was actually, te I was like, like oh, a, a speaker. Oh, you taught a yeah, class. I did like, oh, well, it wasn't like teaching a class. Oh. It was like a panel or whatever. Oh, I love But that. it was so fun. I was like, because um, like, low-key, like Belmont has some of the most talented people in the entire world. And it's like, you like see like the crowd that you're talking to, and the next next day they're like the giant artists that you're like, yeah, <laughs> trying or to open the up industry for. executive, or right. like, because I know a couple of my friends that just hit start out management by just managing their friends, and right. now they're working at these different labels. Um, so where can people follow you, keep up with you, and yeah. what shows do you have coming up that you're super excited about? Um, this is probably coming out after, but we're about to play Chicago. And uh, we're headlining at Joe's on Weed Street, and it's one of my all-time favorite venues. So I kind of, like, when that d date came up on the calendar, headlining, I big big circle on my calendar, um, really excited about it. Um, 
But we have shows, I think the end of the tour is November 30th, and we're playing Charleston at Music mm-hmm. Farm. And I've never been to Charleston before, so I'm oh, really Charleston's excited about awesome. that. Oh, Charleston's awesome. Yeah. The food scene? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm all about food. So if you want like a semi kind of like food Instagram, just go to my Insta stories all the time and I'm cooking Especially when up. you're on Charleston. Oh, yeah. You need to go to Husk, the original Husk. So I've been to the one in Nashville and it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was decent. And then there's a Butcher and Bee that started there originally. Oh, wow. So it's like actually a food hub. Yes, seafood. But yeah, if you guys, market. if anybody wants to follow me, it's Levi Hummin, L-E-V-I-H-U-M-M-O-N. Okay. Uh, and you guys can see all my tour dates at levihummin.com. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And I plan on touring and putting out a ton more music in 2020. So just get ready. Oh my God. Get ready for it. Thanks, Levi. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Young Entertainment Professionals Podcast. To get connected, visit yepnashville.com and follow Yep Nashville and Yep Los Angeles on social media. I'm your host, Libby Ulrich, and until next time, discover, cultivate, accelerate.